0: Welcome to ninety three ninety four, a music podcast with Travis Roy. I'm really excited to be talking today about one of the great musicians of all time, Nick Cave, and of course his band, The Bad Seeds. Growing up at my house, my mom was really cool about letting us all listen to whatever music we wanted to listen to in the living room, like the main room, where everybody could hear it. I could listen to rap, metal, screamo, punk... Fuck this, fuck that, whatever. It didn't matter. She didn't care about any of that kind of stuff. There was only one band that she had the kibosh on, and that was Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Not because of this album that I'm going to be talking about today with my friend Lauren, Let Love In, but because of Murder Ballads. My mom thought that album was gross. But I love it, and I love Nick Cave, and I love Let Love In. But no one I know loves Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds more than my friend Lauren. Lauren is a dear friend of mine. I met them in Philadelphia and I was fortunate to make a lot of good friends while living there. Some people that I think will hopefully be a part of my life for the rest of it. But Lauren in particular, we got really close. They were really there for me through the COVID thing. They've been with me through breakups. So yeah, Lauren just really means a lot to me. And it means so much to me that they came on the show to talk about this album that means so much to them, this band that means so much to them, and of course this musician that means so much to them that Nick Crave is Lauren's stage name, which is pretty cool. So here's me and Lauren talking about this album and this dude, Mr. Nick Cave.
1: I searched the holy books. I tried to unravel the mystery of Jesus Christ the Savior.
0: Hello! Hey! Can you hear and see me okay? I can hear and see you just fine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's good to see your face. Likewise? (laughs) I know I don't know how but she's nobody's baby now.
1: It is funny to me that I'm chatting with you now on video after having met you in Philadelphia
0: <laughs> and now I'm
1: closer to you, I think as the crow flies. However, that pesky Lake Michigan is right between us and I believe yeah, yeah. the drive from here to your place and my old place in philly to your place is probably the same
0: <laughs> almost we're like technically closer just seeing you actually makes me kind of a little bit homesick for philly to be honest
1: if i elicit feelings of homesickness for philadelphia from people seeing me then i feel like i have done a good job in my <laughs>
0: life <laughs> you are very philadelphian there are some things love won't love. She's nobody's baby now. Why don't you tell people how we met? How do, you, how do we know each other?
1: The podcast story or like the real story?
0: Whatever you're comfortable with.
1: Well, I mean, I'm fine with saying that I swiped on you on Tinder because you were holding a stein of beer and had a fantastic big smile. And, <laughs> you know, I'm also a professional hairstylist and your baldness. I was like, great. Won't ask me for a free haircut. It seems like he has a fun demeanor.
0: <laughs> I've got it all. And that's how we met. We met over Tinder. You are still yeah. easily one of my best all-time Tinder swipes by far. And that while we only went on a couple dates, we became really good friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it was really fun dating someone, whichever way it ended up, who was not from Philly because I love playing tour guide in cities. So we definitely had a fantastic time We went to the Mütter Museum. Of course. Which is very like Philly specific. If people haven't heard of it, I have no affiliation. I do not get any money for this, <laughs> but you should give them money. They're a good organization. Uh,
0: it is great though.
1: Medical oddities and all that. And the art museum, the Philadelphia Art Museum, though we did yeah. not... Uh, We are both good-looking people, I suppose, but we did not do the Rocky run up the stairs. (laughs) We were not
0: there for that. (laughs) We walked up the stairs and then just took pictures. There was no jumping up and down. And of course, uh, on one of our dates, I didn't pick up this Nick Cave album, but I did pick up Nick Cave's Nocturama on vinyl. Nocturama, yes. It makes sense that that would be associated with you. But in doing this podcast, you know, I get to let love in. I'm like, I hope Please, Lauren, do this show for me. There's no one else that could possibly talk about it like you.
1: But I think your initial thought when I said, well, you have to guess which album I would do, you understandably thought, oh, The Downward Spiral.
0: You were like, no, not quite. Then I was like, okay, what am I missing? Then as soon as I saw Nick Cave, I'm like, oh, fucking, of course. That's what it was. My
1: long-running nickname being Goth Lauren, it would make sense that you're like, well, obviously
0: this chucklehead is <laughs> going to want to do Nine Inch Mills. The genres all kind of bleed and blend together as we get older. All those kind of categories mean less and less. But do you think the Cave and the Bad Seeds are goth?
1: I like to think so. Mm-hmm. I do think there's an interesting overlap of, I mean, you could argue that Johnny Cash is a goth icon.
0: He's the man in black. That makes perfect sense, actually.
1: I think a lot of genres, their aesthetic goes hand in hand with the
0: music. Okay. That's a really good point. Metal guys typically like with the long hair and like black t-shirts and then. Yeah. And you you can look
1: at a guy and be like, I bet he likes the Dead Kennedys and (laughs) Sex Pistols. Or you can look at someone and be like, I bet they really like the (laughs) Decemberists." Yeah. And that's not a slight against anyone. Like, you know.
0: No, but you can kind of assume, you know, if it was certain people, I guess. And of course we all kind of, or most people have very broad tastes in music generally, but there's always one or two zoners. I that kind think
1: of... I made a meme that got literally nowhere on the internet, but it was the Mumford and <laughs> Sons and Nick Cave, and they both write songs about the Dust Bowl that neither of them have lived in. Like,
0: Especially Nick Cave. He's very fascinated with Appalachia, and I guess they both are.
1: I'm like the desert southwest sort of yeah,
0: that aesthetic, I guess.
1: He covers a lot of classic folk stuff, and he does a song about John Henry, you know, mm-hmm which johnny cash did like mm-hmm. and some of it is cover some of it is just an homage to but he's australian and lives in london not saying that he is not a man of culture and has traveled etc but sure. he also was not in the dust bowl era <laughs>
0: you know right yeah he wasn't hanging with woody guthrie or anything he was not right. yet
1: born so
0: <laughs> so when it comes to let love in do you remember when you first got into this album like how you got into it i
1: don't know in a roundabout way being very very into metallica before i heard let love in Mm -hmm. and then metallica did the garage days and they covered lover man oh okay and i was like "Ooh, this song sounds hot and dirty and weird and i like it and then and then realizing wait these are all covers they're doing on this garage inc album yeah huh okay there was not wikipedia there was not Quick and Easy, Spotify. I also did work at a record store on South Street at one point, so I was the final gasp of actual going to places to buy your music.
0: It's made a bit of a comeback, especially vinyl.
1: No, definitely. And that record store smartly has pivoted, and they do a lot of vinyl now, which is fantastic.
0: But yeah, you took me there, actually.
1: Yeah. They move locations, but yes.
0: Yeah, it wasn't on South Street when you took me. To-
1: I forget how I then came back around to it, being around other people and whatnot, and having bartended and stuff at places that were not Applebee's, I guess. Like, <laughs> I've heard Nick Cave in between all of this. So
0: you were older. Like, What age are we talking to?
1: I want to say I was 2021 when I heard Let Love In.
0: Okay, a little bit later than I would have guessed for you. But of course, I mean, that 2021 is still very formative years.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, I was still in college. I am sure that I had heard Red Right Hand.
0: Sure, you had. Right. Because you'd seen Scream and Dumb and Dumber.
1: Right. And plenty of other Nick Cave stuff prior to that. I just have a very specific memory of being in the computer room of this guy that I was dating at the time yeah. when I was like 20 and hearing opening note of that album yeah. and being like, what is this like?
0: <laughs> life changer.
1: going to the album and I believe I have, I'm sorry, gods of internet, please forgive me. I believe I downloaded it from Napster or LimeWire or something. And
0: okay, so now we know the timeline, 2000, 2004. Well, I, don't,
1: I actually don't think it was, but I, I can't remember. But I know that I didn't purchase the yeah. CD. Okay. Like, but I know that I burned a CD to put it in my car.
0: Gotcha. Well, that was the way it worked at that time.
1: In my mind, I have like several opening things that are very iconic and like the baseline for Let Love In, is like the baseline for dropping in fat bottom girls on queen like for me like it's just like <laughs> it I'm like it tickles that one little part of my brain
0: and you're ready to go off yeah I remember when this album came out vaguely because where I grew up, there was, and I've mentioned this on the show before, this radio station in Windsor across the river in Canada called 89X. This played amazing stuff, you know? I remember when Do You Love Me was a single, so I remember being like, I don't know, 13, 14 years old and hearing that song in the radio being like, Nick Cave, is it? Okay, I kind of like this. And then I remember like hearing Red Right Hand, and so there was like a a minute or like 94 or 5 and so, like where I was kind of aware of who he was. But I didn't really get into this album until much, much older, because the first album I ever actually got into of Nick Cave's was Murder Ballads. I really was like, my first love was like the classic unrequited love. And she got me into Murder Ballads, which I just obsessed over. And it kind of went from there into all this other stuff. And so I kind of like moved backwards and really later, much later, Like I got the best of album that came out in 98, so I had access to individual songs, but I didn't really listen to the album as a whole until I was much later in life, like in my late 20s, mid 20s, probably. But Nick Cave is still like a big part of my life since my teens.
1: I mean, isn't that true for a lot of artists you might get into and stuff like that? You hear something and then you're like, oh, shit, this band music whatever has been around for a while let me dig back in yeah
0: like the birthday present i wasn't aware of or even like actually birthday at party start, oh yeah. excuse me thank you the birthday party which i never really got into but weirdly enough i was listening to these immortal souls when i was like I don't know, 11 12 years old which I forget the dude's name, but one of the bad seeds was, I got to look it up now real quick.
1: Well, while you're looking that up, I mean, I, having worked at a, literally a goth record store and the listeners don't know me, but I know that you can verify that it was actually a goth record store. Yeah. I had heard before I put the pieces together, I'm Thresenda Neubauten, which is like Bargeld, who was in the bad seeds for a very long time. Okay. And I had heard of that also independently and separately. Okay,
0: so that's like me, like with Roland S. Howard. I finally got his name.
1: Oh okay. I do know that name. Oh, this is a good time then for my my tangent about hating gatekeeping.
0: Okay. Hit us with a tangent.
1: As you're talking I was looking up, okay, so murder ballads came out in ninety six. I gotta remember this for that album. like we're just having this discussion and I'm like, but does it matter? if you like an artist, if you love an artist, like, and someone says, well, actually, and the only reason I correct <laughs> you on the birthday party is because we're literally talking about the artist.
0: Oh, right. No, this is like a this music is podcast. This the appropriate
1: time to correct someone. I
0: want to say the right fucking name with the band, that's for sure.
1: Right. But I'm sure you've seen cartoons and memes of, like, someone wearing a band t-shirt and it's like, oh, really? Do you like them? Name three <laughs> albums they've had. And right. And it's like, I can just hit shuffle all on Spotify and not... Oh, yeah. You get what I'm saying when I say that, like you can hit shuffle all and just be like, I really like this.
0: Yeah, there's no requirement to how much you have to listen to an artist by any means. But at the same time, I do understand and appreciate that for everyone, there are certain artists that serve as this particularly outsized role in your life. Right. Like everyone I can think of that I know who's really into music, there's a few bands, a few albums, you know, that like those are their people, you know, like I identify really strongly with Greg Dooley and the Afghan wigs, for instance, and you- I recall that. <laughs> has always been very much like Nick Cave and other artists too, for both of us, but you know what I mean? Like they're super fans, but so at the I same time- So I love my professional
1: era, up. you know, and I had-
0: <laughs> Yeah, of course. Uh, that was an early gateway to me into goth too. I mean, I never really mentioned it to you, I don't think, but I mean, like in sixth, seventh grade, I was all about the Depeche Mode. I was wearing black nail polish like in oh, 192.
1: My mom is one of those, I'm not a regular mom, The tool mom. She had me listening to Violator in the car as a little kid.
0: That's very cool. That is very. So she has good taste. My mom was listening to Travis Trigg. I'm
1: aging myself now, but
0: like. (laughs) Sorry, it's It's kind of. I think I was just in
1: or just out of a car seat, but I clearly remember hearing the album on cassette in her Saturn or whatever it was like.
0: So back to Let Love In, I'm going to ask you, can you name a single best track or at least your favorite track from this album?
1: You know, the opening to Do You Love Me, I think that, like I was saying earlier, how that was my, what is this bassist dropping? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then a gong hits or something. Like, what is, like, yes, done, So I'm into it. Like, <laughs> but I always said that I wanted to get a continuation of the tattoo sleeves that I have that I want to grow across mm-hmm. my back. I wanted a lyric put in of, I met her on a night of fire and noise, which is like the first line of that album and that first song. Good so good. But I actually did not get that. That is not the Nick Cave tattoo that I ended up getting. So.
0: Nick Cave is one of those artists that's so prolific that for me, I've picked and chosen like which albums I kind of dig deeply into. I've listened to them all. So this for me was never an album that I dug that deeply into Personally, I was always more of a. I like Dig Lazarus, Dig and Abattoir Blues and Murder Ballads, of course. But for you, it seems like this is one of those seminal albums. So that's your favorite song. Is there a song that you think is like kind of underrated, an underdog song, either like that people don't talk about generally or maybe that you yourself have not appreciated? I do
1: think, and this sounds like I'm taking the easy out, is the Do You Love Me Part Two, the final track on the album. It's fucked up man like <laughs>
0: i'm
1: gonna sing the praises of do you love me the first track for a second because it helps explain why i think do you love me part two is incredibly underrated okay do you love me like i said it has a slow good bass build and, like gong hits and then all the music comes in and met and I fire noise and it's this passionate like i'm obsessed with you and i need you love song mm-hmm. that he goes off on the lyrics on do you love me part two are not great. Like they like they're great <laughs> in that they are not great. Like it is some fucked up stuff. And like I don't know the proper musical terms, but it clearly is carrying the same tunes and notes and mirroring Mm-hmm. do you love me but it breaks it down it's those memes where it's like what is your pop song but put it in a minor key and it sounds weird <laughs> kind of like you know yeah it's that and the lyrics are a lot deeper and they are not it's not a radio friendly song
0: box my pulpit the seal the silver star spangled and the coins in my pocket go jingle. It's funny, though, you say that because Red Right Hand is the big single from the album. And I mean, that song is such a huge hit. I feel like it says good things about the era that America or the world in general was like, yeah, this song fucking rules because it's not a super conventional song. Yeah. Not a lot of his stuff is really. You can
1: tell that Nick Cave loves Leonard Cohen (laughs) when you hear a song like Red Right Hand.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's a really good point.
1: And also, honestly, like that is one of my almost my pick was the yeah. right hand because there is something to be said for the perfect recording of him the the flick of a lighter and the first drag of a cigarette in the opening of Red Right Hand like way that it's recorded and like and you can hear him exhale the first words with a drag of a cigarette. It's painting such a picture in your brain without having to see anything.
0: And he's such a storyteller, you know, and like that song in particular, I don't know what the story quite is. Something like the devil is using capitalism to exploit the poor or something. I don't know what's happening there, but it's really ominous and fun.
1: On a gathering storm comes a tall handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. He could just be like, hey, this sounded really good, so I put it all together because I was thinking and it's fine, whatever. I also think it could be deeper and be like, where are you in your life at that time and what is it saying to you, and so. You know for yeah. us we can be like capitalism is
0: terrible and <laughs> well i mean the whole like the stacks of green paper in his red right hand bit you know it just seems like he's like talking like i don't know and it's like this almost tom waitsian character like moving from place to place like he's a dark shadowy figure i don't know for sure and also this album like i find other people's struggles with their faith really interesting and this album is so fraught with that, you know, because he's like gone back and forth on Christianity throughout his life. And you can tell he's like on the cusp one way or the other around this point.
1: For sure. And I mean, if you back up and look at the whole catalog, mm-hmm. he does a cover of gospel, Jesus met the woman at the well, but also then he writes songs about the devil and just.
0: <laughs> Even on this album, he refers to like Jesus Christ, our savior or whatever, which yeah. I don't know how sardonic the tone is. I think he kind of means it. It's always imbued in his stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of religious tones and you can get, I mean, again, like you can get very deep into his other writings Mm -hmm. and to his credit, his it's both a newsletter and then he answers, you know, fan mail. That's fun. And it's called the Red Hand Files, like, but I think he has said it's either, I don't want to misquote, but about the song Tupelo. Or Red Right Hand. He's like, if I never hear that again, I'd be happy. Man,
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. Whatever his you know, the hits are, you get sick of him as a performer.
1: Okay, so now's a good time to give my shout out. So, uh, as I've been Goth Lauren since early on freshman year of college. No, 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 not that Lauren. I'm talking about Goth Lauren.
0: Oh, that's how it came about.
1: And then it sort of has stuck through a professional career as a hairstylist. Uh, And then when I branched out and did um, internet entertainment, I (laughs) said, oh, I need a a name for this. And it just popped into my head was Nick Crave. It's N-I-K-C-R-A-V-E, like just seemed so obvious. He had been at that point my favorite artist for a very long time. I had seen him live a few times by then. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my shameless plug is uh, nickcrave.cammodels.com. That's N-I-K-C-R-A-V-E.cammodels.com.
0: Check it out, folks.
1: It's actually very fun. I always have a good playlist. And I do love, though, when people come into my chat room to hang out with me. And say, Oh, your name is Nick Crave. Have you heard of Nick Cave and the bad seeds? And I'm like, no, I have not. Why? Could Explain you tell me, me about please. that? Like as I'm sitting there wearing uh, you know, slide style sandals that say bad seed on them.
0: <laughs> I don't know that the dudes that come to talk to you necessarily have like their brains. Fully engaged in that. You'd be surprised. Some of them
1: actually want to sit there and have kind of a similar conversation to what we're having right now.
0: I'm not that surprised. I do believe it. We're
1: like, hey, so you must like Nick Cave. So what do you think about the whole thing? I'm like, okay,
0: let's. All, all right. All right. <laughs> Get paid to talk about Nick Cave. <laughs> for me, I got to say that the song that for me is underrated on the album, not that I don't think that people talk about it generally, but like for me, I underrated it because as a kid, you know, again, I got into murder ballads first. And a lot of the stuff i always liked was always the really kind of depressing and really slower kind of stuff the much more maudlin nick cave i didn't really come to appreciate the rockin' nick cave until dig lazarus dig a little bit later on and so for me on this album thirsty dog On fucking rocks i really like thirsty dog i like the vibe of it i like the kind of prosaic almost like he's just like hey I'm just a fucking drunk sad guy yeah there's not like the epic themes that we're wrestling with It's just like i'm fucking yeah. drunk and sad and I, I, also, I, I,
1: I, I picture it's the drunk and lovesick guy chasing a woman mm-hmm. up the stairs i don't mean that in a non-consensual way but just like oh my god i'm home and i just want i'm like i'm just a thirsty dog and i just want to like <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry I'm being, like, you know, the song is, the refrain is, I'm sorry, 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 sorry.
0: I'm
1: sorry I'm a piece of shit, but like, gee, aren't I lovable? Like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then you say lovesick, like, the song I let love in, like, what a fucking, I mean, speaking of maudlin, I mean, just like. The love is a cautionary tale. It's yeah. just so, I love it. I love it so much.
1: I think that's a part of why I do have, like, I, like we talk about Ghostine being amazing, murder ballads, out of far blues. Like, there's so many good yeah, albums. Yes, yes. And even you, you know, you get into Grinder Man and you get into Birthday Party. You get into,
0: mm-hmm. he's got solo stuff even, or his soundtrack. Solo stuff. The
1: soundtrack stuff doing with Warren Ellis, yeah, yeah. like, which has little to no lyrics on the soundtrack right. stuff.
0: So what about, is there a weakest track on this album? So
1: we planned this a while ago and I'm kind of glad you asked me that only today. Oh, really? So I had to like not ruminate on it too much.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense.
1: Because this is one of my all time, regardless of the year, whatever, this is one of my all time favorite albums. Yeah. Desert Island Disc, whatever. But it was telling to me that the second I read your text message asking me to pick my least favorite track
0: you knew which one it was
1: jangling jack
0: jangling jack <laughs> it's totally fucking I'm sorry jack. Like, no of course it is i'm sorry it stands out it's not as good as the others to me as well
1: but so you know what i think it is a good song it's not on this album like it doesn't do it for me on this album it's too jarring and yeah it feels out of place
0: i concur i don't think that there's a bad song on the album and there's sometimes when i do this on the show where i'm like it's super obvious sometimes i have to really mull it over and like is there like even one i could choose and sometimes it's just really obvious and on this album for me it was like oh yeah fucking dangling jack
1: yeah and even the opening it has like some distortion and crap and i'm just like i don't want to hear it now
0: (laughs) Yeah, and every other song is pretty much a banger that I would never even dream of skipping. So that's, yeah, that's kind of how I feel too.
1: That's one that I do like, but not in context. That's, yeah.
0: That makes sense. And that speaks like albums are such cohesive whole thing. So even like one song can throw that dynamic off. It didn't ruin the album or anything. That is one
1: thing to sound like an old person.
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) But (laughs) I do think that people have lost these days. People don't go and get an album and listen to the whole thing like start to finish. Yes. I think that's changing a little bit but i think going back to when it was still you gotta make an album that has 12 songs or so and some of them you can tell even from some amazing artists are like oh you just threw 12 fucking songs together right versus like you had a cohesive journey through whatever this was you were going through right? The person I mentioned that I was dating that I, I listened to it in their computer room and stuff was a horrid, horrid relationship. And so for a while, I had a lot of memories associated with, unfortunately, like abusive relationships, and that was bad. But like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I kind of love reclaiming things. Yeah. And yeah. rediscovering this album and making it my own. And, you know, enough to the point where... It almost became an accident that like, oh, Nick K is my favorite. Okay, I'm using that as a stage name. Okay, I'm doing that like... <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of fully leaned into it. And this is one of the albums that let me do that. And and honestly, like I said, the underrated song is pretty great for that. It's such a overarching great album that I keep coming back to it. I love, obviously, all of his <laughs> stuff. But the fact that I keep saying... Okay, that is the lyric. Okay, that one. Okay, that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's such a. Where I guess should say they because Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds have been such a huge part for you, and for this to be like the introductory album, that's always really important for your, yeah, like your main artists. So, is this an album you ever put down and walked away from for a while, or is this something you kind of routinely have returned to throughout your life?
1: I actually do put it down, not intentionally necessarily.
0: Well, he's got so many other albums that you could do that,
1: right? So there's that reason, and I'll get like I said with Ghostine coming out so close to pandemic lockdown stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, Skeleton Tree, yeah, came out at a very crossroadsy time.
0: In your life, yes. or his, or both, I guess. Well, seems like both.
1: Both, because he wrote that about losing his the
0: passing of his first son.
1: Yes. Right? I believe it was one of the twins. So not first son, but like one of his
0: twins. Hasn't he had two children pass?
1: Uh, yes, correct. I believe neither were his first child. Yes, yeah, so the Skeleton Tree was all about that. And then he did that fantastic movie. Actually, I actually haven't seen that. There was two of them.
0: Uh, one's called something idiot or... One
1: more time with feeling.
0: Idiot Prayer, I think is the other one.
1: Uh, that's a different thing. I'm
0: losing track of his things.
1: So there was supposed to be a tour for that. And then COVID.
0: And then COVID.
1: Idiot prayer. I was not there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Because it's supposed to be the whole band and a tour. Right.
0: It's just him. I've got a question for you that you probably have wrestled with before. What's your favorite Nick Cave album? Is it this one? Is it Let Love In?
1: It might be this one. It might be Carnage.
0: Oh, really? That's really grabbed a hold of you.
1: Carnage really hit me. And I think it hit me because of when I heard it. Mm-hmm. Much like this album. I think this is my Desert Island
0: disc. I think I'm gonna All pick right. this one. Yeah. I love it. I'm glad that I got to talk to you about this one then. That's fun. Now you said you've seen him live before a few times, it sounds like yes. or you've seen them live. How many times have you seen him? Three. it's pretty great.
1: Yeah. I had to touch him. That was
0: my <laughs> You got to touch him. Where did you touch him?
1: Anyone who's familiar with him and his live stuff knows he is a good performer on stage and does that oh, whole very. yeah. Like, hold the it, hand yeah, hand hold like sweeping his yep. hand. You know, he sucked his hand through the crowd and like he grabbed my hand for a hot second, which yeah. me was an eternity and I loved
0: it. I remember the time I touched Greg Dooley. It's like I dream about it still. Yeah, so I and, I, it. and
1: I touched his shoe while he was on <laughs> <up the> stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was also, of course, had fought my way from the section I was in. I was allowed to be where I was.
0: But you had to worm your way up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And of course, still have bruises to this day on my rib cage of being crushed up <laughs> against the at the Keswick Theater in Philadelphia. So thankfully it was not a giant, massive figure venues that he might have played.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. You got to be that close to see him.
1: I could have died happy that night. That was actually the (laughs) first night I saw him. And I actually bought a drink for a bad seed that night before the show.
0: (laughs) Nice. Which one?
1: Conway Savage, rest in peace. Passed away relatively recently. Yeah. I saw this guy sitting across the bar. I was at a bar. Across from the venue prior to the show. And I saw this guy. I was like, this totally, this totally, this totally. It's gotta be, it's, he's definitely in the band. I couldn't place his name.
0: But sometimes you can just fucking tell when you see one of the dudes. It's like, they're so lanky and leather clad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and also, I did recognize the face for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a that giveaway.
1: That couldn't place his name. So I was rapidly Googling. And that's Comic Savage. And I saw him go outside to have a cigarette. And so I was like, this is my chance. So I went outside and asked him for a like, mm-hmm. and then very casual, very cool, said, I'm sorry, um, is your name Conley Savage? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, you're in the Seeds, right? Like, oh, I'm going to that show tonight. As if I wasn't internally just like freaking out and screaming. <laughs> and I have to say, looking back at it, wow, I played that shockingly cool. <laughs> and having worked at, you know, work venues and things like that and been around fans and have to like yeah, be cool. You can't be an asshole if you're working. And then later, I think I had a meltdown. I was like, oh my God. My <laughs> it boss- happened. It- he bought me a whiskey and it was great. It was the best whiskey I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. Not like whiskey at the time. So.
0: What track do you want to use to go out on?
1: Same one that I actually would like to go out on. Lay me low.
0: Play that at your funeral, right?
1: Play Lay Me Low at my funeral. Play it out of the podcast.
0: Everybody hears that. It's a very important and now officially public thing. Yeah. I've got my funeral songs. I get it. All right. Lay Me Low. And that's such a fucking great song. It's so tongue in cheek. It's so great. It's so Nick Cave.
1: It's very, you know, yeah, I'm dead. And isn't that awful? But like, do you really care in the grand scheme of <laughs> to quote a different fantastic author, which we didn't even talk about how Nick Cave has also written lots of books that are fantastic, but
0: and screenplays.
1: Yeah. On a long enough timeline, everyone's left with yeah. SC drops to zero. So I like that he's tongue in cheek with it and that it's it is sad and it's stoic and terrible, but also like whatever. It's like funny. Yeah. <laughs> We're on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Awesome. Good choice. So I imagine you've been listening to this album a lot lately, as I have been. What else do you listen to? Anything else on your playlist of late?
1: Yeah, actually, I have been really into Stoneburner.
0: Not familiar. What kind of music are we talking?
1: Definitely more like harder industrial stuff.
0: Okay. I should have guessed. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Getting some political things going on with that mm-hmm. particular artist that are very good. Cool. Stoneburner, this machine kills.
0: Not fascist, just it kills. That's funny.
1: Yeah. The lyrics touch back on that.
0: I would hope yeah. if it's political and making that kind of reference. That's twice Woody Guthrie has come up in this episode.
1: Yeah. My sister had me listen to some Taylor Swift lately, and I'm sad to admit that. Yeah, you
0: know? <sighs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fine. I mean, I've been listening to the new national album that Taylor Swift appears on, so I guess I've been listening ah, to Taylor Yeah, I haven't there.
1: gotten to that yet.
0: It's great. So I always end the show with some sort of 90s question. Sometimes it's like a trivia question. More often than not, like tonight, it's just kind of a, what would you prefer from the 90s? And I try when I can, I'm getting better at it, I think, to like tailor things specifically to my guests, the questions that I'm asking. And I figured, well, you know, Lauren, you like things that are goth, true, and uh, I like movies. But uh, as far as goth movies from '94, there's only so many. There is, of course, The Crow, but figured I'll make a, an exception here, and I'll, I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite of these goth movies from the 1990s. Okay. Well,
1: yeah, you can't pick The Crow because I did tune into your older podcast back in pandemic the
0: Cinema Nine. That's about The Crow. Yeah, uh, I do love The Crow. So that came out in 1994. And that is, of course, an option for you to choose. And that
1: album. uh...
0: That's a whole nother beast, the album. Also from 1994. I don't know if you know this movie. I don't know if anyone knows this movie. In America, it's known as Cemetery Man. Everywhere else, it's known as Delamore. Delamore with Rupert Everett. He works in a cemetery and the the people are coming back to life.
1: I don't know the movie, but I have seen posters.
0: Yes, it's classic in the Gothic genre. Lots and lots of necrophilia in there, if that's your thing.
1: I feel like that's one of those people back in the day would use it as a goth litmus test.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which is <laughs> the reason hate. I chose it. Yeah, gatekeeping again, right? It's actually a shitty movie.
1: It's very gatekeeping. It's like, oh,
0: do you like this? I love Rupert Everett. And I love the idea behind the movie. But all right, so you've not seen that one. So we'll probably stick with ones that you've actually seen. Uh, what about the Adams Family movie? That is an option. The first one, I'll make that one an option. Interview with a Vampire came out in 1993, I believe. Super fucking gothic. May have been 94. The Craft was 1996. I cannot talk goth movies of the 90s and not mention The Craft. And last but not least, of course, Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands. Super gothic. So which of these movies, of these goth films from the 1990s, and we can just scratch Cemetery Man from the list, uh, are you going to sit down and watch with me? Edward Scissorhands, The Craft, Interview with the Vampire, or The Crow? or Adam's family.
1: Are we friends? Because I feel like this is... (laughs) It's a really rude question. Um, oh my
0: god, I hurt your feelings!
1: That you're asking me to pick one. It's it's like asking me to pick between my three cats. Which one is the <laughs> cutest? Adam's family is both hilarious and has fantastic like nods to several things, and mm-hmm. also is gothic in aesthetics but not a goth movie.
0: Okay, sure. All right. uh, yeah, it's more of a family fun Yeah, film. it's a family
1: fun movie, but it has a goth aesthetic.
0: For sure. Very. And
1: you can branch off into, like, the Wednesday thing being great, but, like, I'm talking about the actual, the movie that you're referring yes. to is yes. is very yeah. much, like, a cute, what was it, PG, PG-13 movie?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a family film.
1: Yeah. Joan Cusack, perfect. Like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Christopher Lloyd, perfect.
1: Oh, yeah. Christopher Lloyd. Uh, Who would have guessed? Uh, we went to the same high school. Not at the oh. same time,
0: but... <laughs> I would not think.
1: <laughs> uh, he got expelled from my high
0: school, actually. No shit. Yeah. So are you picking Adam's Family then? This is your choice? No,
1: I'm talking about how great each movie is.
0: <laughs> I've given you like a hard decision is what you're telling me.
1: I mean, as a hairstylist, Edward hand I'm obviously biased towards.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. I, I can't choose.
0: You choose none of these movies. You boycott. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> okay well i'll tell you what i'm gonna pick for you
1: it's the craft
0: it's the craft it's
1: the craft okay it's so bad it's so bad as a person who currently actively practices it's so bad and i love it and it's just so bad i'm, I'm <laughs> gonna
0: pick the craft like okay all right i'm glad you picked one that's good i'm gonna go with edward scissorhands that to me is like like important classic american it's, cinema. it's
1: gorgeous and i think i just have to Appreciate the craft for getting lots of little baby witches into things.
0: Yeah, I had that love spit love covering the Smiths on there. Who could forget that?
1: Shout out to every chick who has a We Are the Weirdos Mr. Tattoo right now. Like, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) gotta love it.
0: That feels like a really good note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on, Lauren. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for indulging my gothy goodness. I appreciate it.
0: nice it was to talk to my good friend Lauren thanks for joining us I appreciate it feeling really relaxed right now I'm out on my mother's screened-in porch I'm surrounded by five dogs I love it I had said on my last episode episode 17 that I probably would be a little late getting this episode out and I am and I said I would probably not be late with episode 19 but I make no promises i'll get back on schedule soon though my throat does it sound a little scratchy (laughs) i've been sucking in this canadian wildfire smoke i guess want to come on the show it'd be cool if you did maybe you want to talk about a band from 1993 that i never really got into their other stuff but i really love the 1993 album into the labyrinth by Can dance single that you're hearing now the ubiquitous mr lovegrove and what a jam it is so maybe you want to talk about into the labyrinth or maybe you want to talk about any other album from 1993 to 1994 shoot me a line let me know uh, you can message me on whatever social media you can email me at ninety three ninety four podcastgmailcom podcast at gmail.com You could, I'd say, like do a smoke signal or like skywriting or something, but it would be lost in the haze that I'm looking at right now. But you could do pretty much really whatever album you want from 1993 to 1994. Just let me know. And um, yeah, I think that's about it. Some of you have left reviews. I appreciate that so much. Please rate and review if you like the show. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Bye. ninety four, a music podcast with Travis Roy is a labor of love. It is not and never will be monetized. Please don't sue.